Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, the podcast brought to you by the PI Programs team at Vizient. I'm Amber Hanser, Senior Performance Improvement Program Director here at Vizient and your host for today's episode. We all know that change can be difficult, especially for employees. It is important to have a plan in place to ensure staff have stability, open communication channels, and as minimal disruptions as possible to help them through a transition. Change management supports and impacts healthcare organizations' ability to evaluate, redesign, and implement new business processes, care team models, workflows, or use of technology. Effective organizations often devote resources and time to developing communication plans, assessing change impact, and providing training and education for their staff. Today, we'll examine what organizations can do to navigate change, communicate effectively, combat change fatigue with staff, address ambiguity, and sustain change. Joining me to discuss this is Kimberly Kistner, Director of Change Management, and Dwayne Banks, Senior Change Management Partner here at Vizient. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. Thanks for inviting us, Amber. Kimberly and Dwayne, please tell us a little bit about your roles here at Vizient and your passion for this topic. Well, as you stated, I'm the Director of Change Management on the People Team under the Organizational Effectiveness Learning and Change. I know that's a mouthful. Change management is a passion for me. It's been a passion for me my entire career. I mean, you you can't really go to school for it. You just kind of fall into it. So my background is communications and marketing. So if there's a change, obviously it has to be communicated, right? So it goes hand in hand. And I really feel like it's important to remember that there's people. When it comes to change, we can't forget about the people. So that's what I'm really passionate about, helping people navigate change through ambiguity, through uncertainty, to help them learn how to give them the tools and resources they need so that they can deal with the change that's coming. Great. Thanks. And for me, my name is Dwayne Banks. I am a senior change partner here at Vincent, working on the same team that Kim is a part of. The reason why I am passionate about change management is because it actually gives me the opportunity to see people grow and excel. In the life, I do realize that change can be challenging. It can be difficult, but I look at change as opportunities for growth. So I like seeing people transition from the current state to the future state. But I think the change journey is a remarkable journey once you embrace it from their perspective. So I do believe that a person is resilient and they're adaptable. They can embrace change with a positive mindset. I love that. And I love that it's focused around what we as humans can do and what leaders can do and to address those things and to make people comfortable and excel. So we are excited to get started today and hear more about your insights and expertise. So to start off and to help level set, could you walk us through the differences between performance improvement and change management? Sure, of course. Thanks for that question, Emery. That's a great question. I think of performance improvement as like fine-tuning our daily routines to work smarter to achieve better results. On the other hand, change management is like guiding everyone through a new adventure, making sure we all feel comfortable and excited about the journey ahead. I do realize that change management is about taking those individuals and addressing the emotions that's involved, the resistance, and ensuring that people embrace and adopt the new ways of working. And would you say that there's a difference between leading change versus the term change management? Most definitely. You know, change management is the process, the science, the methodology behind change management. Leading change describes how you influence and help people navigate the change that's taking place through various tactics, 
And it also deals with, as I said earlier, the human aspect, understanding their feelings, their behaviors, as Dwayne mentioned, going from current state to future state and dealing with that little middle part, which is that transition state, that muddy, yucky part. That's the part that is about leading people through that. They're very different because one is more of the methodology behind it as opposed to the actual influencing people and dealing with the behaviors. I totally agree with that, Kim. And to make this more relatable, Kim hit it spot on. I look at leading change as like being the captain of a ship. You're steering towards a new direction, a new horizon. And change management is the crew. The crew ensures that everyone on board understands the course, where we're going, where we're headed, and help us adjust along the way. So I think Kim hit a spot on. This is the complete difference between these two. And sometimes we often confuse and conflate the terminologies. But I do believe there's a distinct difference because once you have that understanding and where you're going and where you're headed, it helps individuals adjust along the way. I love that crew analogy. <laughs> agreed. Agreed. It's great. And then you can course correct. Yes. yes. And Kimberly, I'm sure you have things to add, but no, that's a great analogy. I absolutely love that. No, I was just going to say Dwayne is just, he's on our team. We work on the same team and he always has great analogies and stories to tie in to what we do. So I just love it. I'm sure there's going to be more throughout this interview. He's going to have some more nuggets of wisdom that he's going to drop. (laughs) (laughs) It helps kick it home. I think it helps make it more relatable. So I appreciate that. Like Kimberly said, it's a great analogy. And as we think about captains and crews and leaders and staff, what ways can leaders or organizations combat change fatigue with their staff? Yes, this is a hot topic among a lot of organizations. Change fatigue, change saturation, exhaustion. It's a common theme that we're currently hearing. Kim and I often talk about this. We're pretty much being proactive and how can we address this? How can we get in front of this? What methods and tools can we use? But I imagine change fatigue is like you're running a marathon and you're hitting a wall. Leaders can hand out water. They can support with resources, cheer us on with the small wins and things like that. But all of these actions, when you motivate us and keep us going, it helps to catch our breath and stay energized so we can finish the race strong. Change fatigue is very real. It's something that, as I stated before, is top of mind for a lot of organizations. And this is something that it is quite dear to my heart. Also, Kim, too, because we're always constantly trying to refine, reskill, trying to upskill different ways and techniques we can help teams and individuals to combat this area of change fatigue. And just to add that, as he said, change fatigue is real, but even in your personal life. Think about it from a personal perspective. You may have all these different changes. I'm trying to be like you, Dwayne, when you're trying to catch a flight or you have a planned trip to go somewhere and then, oh, the flight's been delayed. Oh, not only has it been delayed, we have a layover for four hours. Oh, not only that, we're going to end up being on the tarmac. Oh, there's no air. If you all saw the news about the Delta flight (laughs) where they were going from Vegas and they had no air, they're waiting for hours. That's change. So it's like one change after another, after another, that can make you feel fatigued. That can make you feel burnout, right? And so it's really real. It's something that we all deal with on a regular basis. And then from an organizational standpoint, there's things that you can do to combat that. If you are understanding or feeling like your employees are burnt out, that can be a sense of they'll start feeling distrustful towards you. They're going to not be engaged, right? And then there's some things that you can do about that. So if they're burnt out, talk to the employee and find out, hey, what are some things that we can do to free up some capacity? The same in your personal life. What are some things on your to-do list that you could kind of, hey, I can do Instacart instead of actually going to the store. What are some things that you can do to help free up some time? And then, of course, 
the employees may have distrust in you. So have open dialogue, have open conversations with them where you are open and honest about what's going on. And then also be a good listener. Find out from them what is it that they need. Then, of course, to help with making folks get back and engaged in the game, help them understand the why. What's the reason why I'm doing the work that I'm doing? Why am I doing this? What's the with them? What's in it for me? And I think all those different steps from a professional standpoint, and again, you can use some of those steps to your personal life, will help combat some change fatigue. Those are great. And I think level setting that it's not just listening, it's taking action and responding to what they're hearing is a really big component to showing them that we're going to be working with you and we're going to take your feedback and we're going to make actions on that. As much as it is about the open communication, it is about the listening and the action. And when we think about action, we think about practices or strategies. And I was curious if you and Dwayne had any certain leading practices that you guys believe have the largest impact in creating buy-in with staff. Oh, yes, totally. Certainly. Kim just took the words right out of my head as in her <laughs> last statement, because involving staff in the decision making process and explaining the why behind the change and showcasing positive outcomes. This is what creates a great recipe for getting that buy in, doing active listening, empathy, providing support during the transition, also build trust and commitment. I think that these are some of the leading practices that can be embraced to help navigate that and bringing that buy in and also Kim said it best, explaining the why behind the change. Oftentimes we announce a change, but individuals cannot get on board the train because they have a ticket, but you're not giving them permission to get on. So (laughs) it's like, I'm standing here with my ticket. I'm trying to get on the train, but okay, why should I get on this train? I know there's a destination, but what's there in mind? Can you give me some more context as into why we're doing what we're doing? So I think that's very important and it's very imperative. All those are great points, Dwayne, of course. I just want to add a couple of more things is that It's really important for the leader to talk to the team and lay out the vision clearly, right? In simple terms, sometimes we tend to use this jargon that people don't understand, like, keep it simple, Simon. Can you just break it down so that a third grader can understand it? Make it very clear to them what the vision is and make it relatable to them as well. Then, of course, involve the team in personalized tasks based on the individual strengths. Dwayne and I don't have the same strengths, so Dwayne might be called upon to facilitate a meeting, and maybe I know how to do that, but that's kind of like his sweet spot, so let him do that. If you do that, then your team is going to be more apt to follow you and work with you. And then, of course, staying connected, have follow-up meetings and touch-ins, have one-on-one sessions, make sure you have a team, and do it on a weekly basis because they want to hear from you, but they also want to be heard as well. And then address any resistance. Resistance can come in two different ways. One, Someone can be super vocal about something that they don't like and they push against it. But then you also have those that are silent. You've probably heard the term silence can be deadly. Yeah, it can be because that can mean that that person is not engaged in what's going on. So they could be resisting, but they're being quiet about it. As we talked about that ship, you have to be prepared to change a course, be prepared to pivot. And how do you do that as a leader? You want to solicit team's feedback because a lot of times the team has their ear to the ground where leaders don't. So sometimes they can go in places where leaders can't. And because of that, they are privy to information that the leaders don't have. So as a leader, you have to be open to listening their feedback because you may need to adjust your game plan. And so I think those are some things that will help create buy-in and trust with your staff. Those are great. And I think the constant checking in, not only with the staff or your team, but the evaluating how things are going, that continuous improvement, if you will, 
continues on after a plan is in place. And it takes action while you're going through things. And as you guys kind of mentioned towards the beginning around addressing ambiguity, there's a lot of uncertainty right now in healthcare and with organizations. And so how should organizations handle change management during times of uncertainty? Are there certain ways or best practices to actually address ambiguity? Well, I really thought Dwayne was going to chime in because his favorite saying is clarity over certainty. (laughs) (laughs) That's really powerful. I think that when you are in a situation of times of uncertainty, especially right now in the healthcare industry, and I think where we're going as a company with Invisient, our leaders are taking a risk by looking at what's going on across the industry. And they're coming back and saying, hey, what are we going to do? We have to think differently. We have to move differently. And so these are some uncertain times but they're not hiding. So as a leader, they have to be in the forefront. They need to be visible. This is not the time for them to hide behind their desk. We want them to get out, talk to us, tell us what's going on, tell us the vision, tell us what's going on in the industry, give us the connection, connect the dots of the why. The other thing is they have to support their people leaders. You've got to give your line managers access to the tools and resources to help them do their job help them to make rational decisions in order for that next level down to be on board with what they're doing. They have to feel like they're supported. The other thing that's really key here is setting expectations, not just for the people leaders, but for your whole entire team. When you do that, that helps ease the anxiety and the confusion because people like structure, like it or not, people do like structure. And then maintaining a single source of truth for information. We've heard of team sites, SharePoint sites, folders, whatever it is, what we have, Dwayne so greatly put together something that we have, which deals with all of our change management projects and deliverables. We have a one-stop shop where we can see across the organization what we have going on. That's something that we need, that structure. It helps with a rhythm because people crave order and structure, especially during times of uncertainty. Agree. Totally agree. And thanks, Kim. That is my favorite topic. So, (laughs) but yes, I totally agree. And also to add on to what Kim said, Amber, I think during those times of uncertainty, Organizations must prioritize clear and frequent communication. I think everything rises and falls off communication. And I kind of view it like this. Uncertainty is like walking through a fog. You really can't see what's ahead of you. You don't know what's around you. But I do believe if someone is there communicating to you which steps to take, how to navigate through that fog, you will reach your destination. So I do believe that and also being transparent about the unknowns. Acknowledging employee concerns, this is very important. And also, last but not least, this is one of my favorite, is offering support systems are crucial. Create a place of psychological safety. Create a place where individuals can feel safe to come and express these concerns and say, hey, I know a change that's been announced. I'm kind of nervous about it. Not sure how I feel about it. Just want to talk to you through it and see, can we reach some type of consensus? You have to create that space, but also you have to create a work-life balance to help address staff burnout during challenging times. I do believe creating that balance could be, we firmly believe in mental wellness and mental health. What does that look like? How do you de-stress at the end of the day? How do you relax? So you have to balance these two things out because if you're not careful, stress can bleed over from your professional life into your personal life. So there is a way to manage all of those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you guys spoke on a lot of the importance of communication and how best to go about that with clarity and frequency, addressing what they don't know, not over-promising, that it's going to be easy, being transparent in that it's going to take time, it's going to be difficult, but we're going to do it together. And we have support tools and places and people for you to interact with. And you may have already hit on this, but just to really hit it home, 
when organizations and when leaders are navigating change and communicating that impact, is there something that's the most important or the most impactful that we should really ensure that our members and our listeners know that they should focus on? For me, I would say empathy and understanding. Those are key. Those are important. Employees want to know that their concerns are being heard. Their feelings are being acknowledged. These things are very important because what you're doing is you're bringing them in. You're addressing some of their concerns. You're acknowledging their feelings and you're looking at a way to try to address it in a wholesome manner. One of my analogies, again, (laughs) is like painting a picture of what the future looks like after change and how it benefits the team. You must have that canvas. And as you begin to paint on that canvas, you must acknowledge that each stroke is I'm acknowledging your feelings. So you have to just go with it so people can see. It's one thing to say, I hear you, but to see you is a totally different thing. And I think that's very important. Yeah, definitely. To add to what Dwayne's saying, I think that is definitely important. I would come up with two more. I would say one, starting sooner. We tend to want to wait till everything is tied in a bow. No, because that might be too late. Early communications are more proactive and can mitigate the negative consequences for failing to engage employees. You can do little drips. I like to call them little appetizers, bite size. Like you don't have to tell them the whole story. But if you say, hey, we know this is coming down a pipeline, more to come, rest assured, we will keep you in the know of what's going on. And you just keep dripping it, dripping it, dripping it. And the other thing I would say is do it more often. You've probably heard this before five to seven times and not just five to seven times. You have to think about you have different audiences that digest information in different ways. You have some people that are just, I just want to email. Then you have some people like, I actually need a town hall, or I want a video message, or I want a whole memo, or I'm just going to read on the internet. I'll read an article. You have to hit them in different ways in multiple times. And I think throughout the entire project life cycle or the entire change life cycle or whatever's going on, you want to do it sooner, do it often, and do it in multiple ways. I think that's great. And all things that are tactics that just take a little finesse. They take a little bit of planning, but that they're not extremely cost intensive or time intensive. It is just being more thoughtful about the approach and the frequency. And like you said, Dwayne, the see me, hear me, support me, all things have to be covered to ensure that it's successful. So I think that those are great, great nuggets (laughs) for our listeners to take away. We've talked about a lot of different strategies and ways to address ambiguity and the human impact and just change in general. But When you guys have worked with members and other organizations, what have you seen successful organizations do to sustain change? Are there specific sustainability strategies that we should plan for and practice? In my experience at working some of the top organizations in the world prior to coming to Vizient, I will say not many organizations get it right. And I'm just being honest. And a lot of times that's because one, organizations don't understand what change management is. So typically they bring change management in when they start to panic and they want us to fix it. And so that, of course, will impact the successfulness of the change management as well as sustaining the change. And then other times in organizations, we implement a change, we do all of this, and then we've done it and we walk away and we don't go back and check to see how did it go? What are some wins? What are some challenges? What could we done better? So we don't do that. I think what we try to do definitely with our team. And then what I've tried to do in the past is impress upon the fact that we have to go back and we have to check in. And you can do that by many ways. You can do that by doing a pulse check. You can do a survey. 
You could do a lunch and learn. You could do a focus group, but you got to do something to measure. Was this change successful? And you will know that by hearing from the people. Like we had a change in technology. Did you understand the technology? Do you feel like it's making your job better or worse? Was the communications readily available to you? How was the training? Because then we can figure out what do we need to do differently next time or how do we need to pivot? So I think a lot of companies need to realize that you can't just launch a change and then walk away and don't come back and move on to something else. Because if you do that, you run the risk of the change not really working the way that you want it. Oh, Kim, you are talking my language. (laughs) I love the way you framed it because what's happening is Kim is correct. They bring change management. It's like the house is already on fire, but you bring us in and put it out when you could have brought us in in the beginning to prevent the fire. And Kim is correct. Come in often early, bring us in early at the ground level so we can get the lay of the land. But also to add on what she's saying, from my experience, as it relates to what you've seen other organizations do, I've experienced, they prioritize three things, in my opinion. Number one, continuous learning and improvement. I do believe that you have to embrace learning and improvement, some type of curriculum, some type of learning program. That's very essential. Number two, establish feedback mechanisms. These help us to stay open to adapting the approach based upon employee feedback and changing circumstances. These are very important. But last but not least, this is one of the things that Kim and I talk about often. Develop a culture of resilience and adaptability. You have to develop that culture. And that comes about through learning and improvement and embracing different concepts and precepts. I think that is very important and very timely. I think those are all important things, obviously, and great to know that from an honest perspective of all of the work that you guys have done throughout your professional careers, not that many organizations may get it right the first time. Early action, like you said, having those three things in place, Dwayne, I think are extremely important and great action items for organizations to start thinking about. Do we have these three in place? If not, how do we get there? So I appreciate all of the feedback and the expertise today. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this edition of Knowledge on the Go. Thank you, Dwayne and Kimberly, for joining us and sharing your insights. You have given us a lot of good information to work on. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners for taking the time to join us today. Please join us for more Knowledge on the Go podcasts. Subscribe today, like us, and send us your comments at picollaboratives at vizientinc.com. For Vizient's PI Programs team, I'm Amber Hanser. Have a great day.